0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to AC23, your weekly excursion into the arts and culture of the Capital Region. My name is Chancellor Zero Skidmore. My producer is Jeremy Porcine. You can stream this episode and previous episodes at your leisure via the Arts Council's website, artsbr.org. And if you're serious about your podcasts, subscribe to AC23 on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to it, give it five stars, and listen to it day and night. We recently got word that starting Monday, March 29th, all Louisiana residents, 16 and older, will be eligible to receive the coronavirus vaccine. As I said last week, I got my first shot and I'm scheduled to get my second one soon, but we have to be careful not to let our guard down, people. Keep up the social distancing. Keep wearing your mask. Try to only gather with strangers in outdoor settings. Even after you get your vaccine, wear your mask for the sake of your sisters and brothers who still may be more vulnerable than you are. I'm sure that if we're all good boys and girls, we'll eventually get our toys back. But we got to stop with the tantrums, y'all. And yeah, eat your vegetables. All right. Arts Council calendar highlights. There's a new exhibition in town entitled Evicted, a collection of photography, graphic art, film clips, text, and interactive displays that respond to the extremely common practice of low-income renter eviction. The exhibit runs from March 25th through May 28th at the Firehouse Gallery here in Baton Rouge, and we actually have a guest coming up in a few minutes to tell us more about it. All right, a few more calendar highlights. The next Baton Rouge Arts Market is happening on Saturday, April 3rd from 8 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., at the corner of 5th and Main Street downtown. For 20 years this market has hosted regional artists and craftsmen in an effort to bring an original to bring original quality handmade goods to the public. This event is held in conjunction with the weekly Red Stick Farmers Market, so show up prepared to purchase some fresh art and some fresh produce. Last one, y'all. The Flower Fest is happening at Point Marie. That's April 3rd and April 4th. This two-day outdoor celebration is Louisiana's first-ever Flower Festival. There will be workshops, food trucks, an endless supply of selfie-worthy backdrops, and the opportunity to watch the breathtaking installations come to life right before your eyes. There will also be a competition and an award ceremony. Best of all, proceeds from the event will go to St. Jude Children's Hospital. Again, That's the Flower Fest at Point Marie, April 3rd and 4th, and the location is 14200 River Road here in Baton Rouge. All right. Our guest today is a Utah-based journalist from Washington, D.C., who reports on housing, eviction, and homelessness for Princeton's Eviction Lab and Economic Hardship Reporting Project. She has a master's degree in public policy, and her work has appeared in the Washington Post, CNN, The Atlantic, Slate, and Harvard Business Review. Aliza Durano, welcome to AC Twenty Three.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Chancellor
0: Zero. Awesome, awesome, and and taking the time to to, to call us all the way from uh, Utah. How are things in Utah yes, right? I, How are things in Utah right now?
1: You know, a little overcast, but the red rocks say hi. So you know, a little bit more mountainous than than Louisiana for sure.
0: And I was talking about COVID earlier. I see you guys' uh, numbers are way down. Uh, it's great.
1: Absolutely, the the state's making a, a big effort to get everyone vaccinated. And appreciated that message you had in, in the intro. You know, so important to be. To keep in mind the, the health and well being of our communities right now.
0: Oh, yeah, we, we got to stay vigilant. This thing is out to get us. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> of course, you're here to talk about the exhibit, but what preceded the exhibit was a best selling book by Matthew Desmond and then your organization, Evicted Lab. What is Evicted Lab and what was it about Mr. Desmond's book that prompted its creation?
1: Absolutely. So my colleague uh, Matthew Desmond is a sociologist and when he was writing his book, Evicted, um, and finishing his dissertation, he investigated, you know, like what are the types of challenges renters are facing in America today and um, really uh, unearthed that, you know, the scope of eviction as a crisis is really much broader and deeper than we had ever imagined so he founded the eviction lab at princeton university Uh, i'm a reporter working for the lab and you know we work to uh tell stories and research um the, the roof over your head and and how that is uh shifting across america right now depending on different market forces
0: awesome awesome and so um after you all developed uh, Evicted Lab, there was the the exhibit. Uh, how did that come about?
1: Yeah, so you know we were actually really excited that to to work with the National Building Museum initially and to to really build out this exhibit because it provides a, an immersive experience. So if you have the chance to come in to the Arts Council and visit, um, you'll really get to you know, surround yourself with the perspective of a low-income renter and the challenges they may face if, you know, they lost a job in the pandemic and um, and are struggling to pay rent, um, you'll be able to really sort of step into someone's shoes, um, understand challenges that folks in, in our communities may be facing, and learn a little bit more about how we can support um, renters across the country.
0: And I think it's important to point out the book was released in 2016. This was already a crisis before the pandemic.
1: Oh, my goodness. You know, you know, we uh, often think that or people often think that this renters crisis or rental crisis came about during the pandemic as the economy collapsed. But in fact, you know, as you mentioned, as late as 2016, when unemployment was under five percent, you know, the. United States was doing as well as it, you know, it's done in a in a while, um, but, and yet we were still seeing 3.7 million evictions filed annually. So that is, you know, uh, I mean, millions of families that um, face the threat of losing their home have their physical and mental mental health affected um, by the threat of a looming eviction. Um, they may lose a job and have difficulty finding and securing housing um, following an eviction notice. So. Uh, The scope of the problem is really much bigger than anyone had ever realized. And so we're, you know, using research and storytelling to really help change the tide.
0: And so I I guess uh, an important question also is how do we get here? Like, what is the historical context of the situation? We know that the cost of living has outpaced um, what renters are able to pay. So can we talk a little bit about the, the historical context?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I know that this is probably intuitive to a lot of listeners, but, you know, for decades now, you know, rents have been rising, including in places like Louisiana, while incomes have remained flat, particularly for folks who have less than a college degree. And what that means is that like a family's budget, is just getting stretched, you know, thinner and thinner over time. So, If your car breaks down, let's say um, you don't get enough hours at the grocery store or at the child care center that you work for, it might be that you're a little short on rent one month and maybe at risk of eviction. So, you know, this is uh, not an accident. It's not a natural uh, phenomenon, but, you know, this is partially due to the fact that, you know, renters in the United States do not have the same rights that property owners do. So um, homeowners and and property owners that rent out homes and apartments and townhomes, you know, they have many more rights and and, and more wealth than uh, your average renter or tenant. So, you know, in the event that a renter falls behind, um, the the deck is really stacked against them, and it makes it really hard to come back from the traumatic experience of uh, either being at risk of eviction or experiencing one yourself.
0: Wow. Well, uh, I've seen the exhibit uh, at the Firehouse Gallery. It, it is amazing. Um, there are these tiny houses that guests can walk into, um, uh, these, these small structures uh, inside the exhibit. And on, on the side of one of them is a quote from the book. It reads, eviction is not just a condition of poverty, it is a cause of poverty. And that's from Matthew Desmond's book. Can you tell us uh, how it acts as a cause of poverty?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, if let's say like, um, I mean, I can I can picture this like a, as a let's say like as a, a student waiting tables, had I not, you know, like made enough money in tips, you know, over the weekend and like needed, you know, more money to pay for rent, you know, that uh, failure to to pay rent can trigger a, a cascade of negative events. So not only, you know, if I had not paid rent in that situation, would I. O rent that month to my landlord, but it could also be that you know the landlord may tack on fees and fines that will accrue interest and may become an unpayable amount of debt for a family or an individual. Um, in addition to that, like you can imagine that the threat of eviction affects people's mental and physical well-being. It affects their ability to hold down a job. Um, it affects our care network. So, you know, we often live close to family and community who help take care of our children or the elderly. And when a family and in a community experiences an, ev- an eviction, it really disrupts not only a person's life and the fabric of their daily living, but it also disrupts the community itself. And, um, and, and as a result, you know, we've done a lot of work measuring um, eviction as a cause of poverty. And, you know, we see that, Time and time and again, we have new research out from from the last month, in fact, showing that moms who are pregnant and experience an eviction, their children um, uh, are born at a lower birth weight than mm. uh, moms who do not experience an eviction during pregnancy. So, really, you know, this is a, a eviction is a traumatic event that affects multiple generations within our society.
0: Wow. Um. And so this this problem of course uh grew worse over time but it, it seems like before Mr. Desmond's book we were maybe unaware or indifferent to this crisis um does that have something to say about how we how we view poor people in general these
1: days Absolutely you know we you know through our research have been able to uh, to really if you will, a lot of assumptions that people have about, not only about renting, but about folks who rent. Um, You know, people often assume that, you know, a landlord will evict a tenant who is $20,000 in debt. But that's actually not true. And what we've seen in the data is that most tenants are evicted for at or about uh, a a month's rent or less than that. So really, you know, uh, eviction has become a tool that, you know, property owners use frequently. It's very um, cheap and easy in many parts of the United States to evict. Uh, And because of that, you're you're right, it is a um, widespread phenomenon. It's one that's been long ignored. And part of the reason behind that is because states and the federal government are not collecting data on eviction. They're not studying housing and security, wow. and that's something that really needs to change to ensure that you know everyone is well. All humans need a place to live and call home, and that's something we've taken for granted in this country.
0: Wow. And so, let's talk a little bit about the landlord. So, like, what is the main difference between what we would call a mom and pop landlord and what we might call a corporate landlord?
1: Sure. So, um. So in the U.S., I mean, I can also distinguish between uh, uh, an eviction and a foreclosure. So um, an eviction is a landlord or property owner initiated uh, forced move. So let's say um, Bob owns a building and Bob is renting to Sally and Sally is late on rent. Then Bob can take Sally to court and um, and potentially evict Sally. A foreclosure is when a bank, you know, repossesses a home, similar to what we saw during the 2008 financial crisis. Um, but that relationship focuses more on uh, a bank and a property owner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what we have seen across the U.S., you know, a lot of um, communities of color were, you know, disproportionately targeted with predatory loans during, you know, the la- leading up to the last financial crisis, and. What that has meant is that you know many people lost homes. The the rental market has gotten is tightened. It's become harder to find uh, a place to live that's affordable and and high quality. Um, but I'm I'm getting away from your question. I think uh, chances zero. So yeah. <laughs> well,
0: it's fine. It's fine. I think um you know um in, the, in we 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 see there are what we call mom and pop landlords or previous conversation you and I had yes. and uh, and these companies that, that rent out some of these apartments and the companies have yes. a tendency to, to evict people much quicker.
1: Yeah. So the eviction lab has found that, you know, there often is a difference in the behavior between uh, property owners that own, let's say multiple units or uh, dozens of units or even hundreds of units and a mom-and-pop landlord who might just own, let's say, a couple of units or even just one place to live. So we see that both the size of a landlord, but also how easy is it for a landlord to use eviction as a tool? Um, There are parts of the United States, particularly in the American South, where it is very cheap and easy to evict someone, where a landlord need only pay $15 to file an eviction. And in, in cases like that, um, you know, we see a big difference across the United States in terms of how often eviction is used, who it's used to file against. Um, and really, we need to think more about, you know, the system that we have in place and how it's affecting American families, because right now, a lot of that is up to the lottery of where you live and the laws that are in place at a local or state level.
0: Wow. <clears throat> can we can can I get you to talk a little bit about what that looks like like what what does an eviction look like uh what is what is that person going through in that moment
1: yeah I mean it's uh it's different for every family but you know it an eviction is something that uh affect it threatens and affects all aspects of family life it it affects you know health you know, jobs, like a, a person's relationships in school. So often the process will start um, if a landlord files a notice to quit, meaning that they inform their tenant that they're going to file an eviction. Um, a landlord can then file that notice with the local housing court system. Um, and then a landlord and a tenant um, may or may not appear in court together to uh, to address the eviction on the table, you know, depending on whether uh, the court system finds in favor or against uh, the, the tenant or the landlord, um, the last stage in the eviction process uh, surrounds the removal of the tenant from their home, usually by local law enforcement. So, um, you know, we often see that, you know, not only are there many uh, evictions that go through the court system, but often, you know, because this is a very traumatizing experience often the most logical thing for folks to do even before the process is well underway is to simply pick up and move and um, so our data you know that 3.7 million number that I quoted earlier that only includes the legal evictions that we're currently studying you know we're not able to study the illegal or informal evictions that may be happening around the country and we estimate those occur double the rate of legal filings um, and you know it's understandable when our communities have long suffered um, violence by by the US government um, you know that you know the, it makes sense to just try and pick up and find another safe place to live if facing an eviction notice
0: and and you know it bears pointing out Picking up and moving costs a lot of money, right? Um, there, yeah. you, you have to get boxes. You have to get a moving truck. You have to, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like packing materials. Um, uh, and you have to have help, maybe hired help to to, to to move couches. And so if you can't, if you're behind on the rent, then quite often your belongings end up on the side of the street. And, and the authorities. The, the, yep. the police are at your door and your stuff yep. is in the road.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, an eviction can look like um, the landlord t- removing the lock and from your door or removing the door from its hinges. An eviction can mean coming home and finding all of your belongings on the front door or on the front stoop or in the, on the lawn. Um, it can mean, you know, a confrontation with uh, a local marshal or sheriff. So, these are, you know, very, very painful traumatic experiences for families that have to go through them. And they have not always been so common. You know, we've seen through historical records that actually during the Great Depression, often neighborhoods would band together to prevent the sheriff from coming in and to help neighbors move their belongings back into their homes after an eviction because it was considered so inhumane. Um, And, you know, This is a moment, you know, when we're staying at home, trying to social distance and do the things to protect our communities. Um, Evictions are, you know, a threat to public health in addition to being a traumatic personal experience.
0: Well, before we go, I I want you to talk a little bit about what I could do as a landlord to help with this problem.
1: That's a great question. Um, Right now, you know, the best thing you can do is if you have a tenant who's struggling, like talk with them about how, I mean, not only are do we need to, you know, support uh, the development of, of tenants' rights, but also in helping tenants get rental assistance right now. Um, so if you have a tenant who's behind on rent, like negotiate with them and um, find ways to support them through that process because the, you know, right now the economy has not yet fully recovered from the global health and economic crisis. And we need to show, you know, our humanity and empathy and solidarity in this moment. But, um, as sort of a last point, you know, the eviction lab, uh, for those who are interested, we have a database of social and legal services. So if you are behind on rent or, you know, need to talk to a lawyer, mm-hmm. um, JustShelter.org is a free resource that we've made available, and people can search by state, so by Louisiana or um, by regions within states to to find help, um, as so many need right now.
0: Well, awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much, uh, Aliza, for coming on the show today and talking to us about this, this great organization, this amazing book and this great exhibit that we have in our town. Um, I want to let everybody know admittance to see evicted is free, but the Arts Council is limiting the number of people who can be in the gallery at any given time. Therefore, you must go to artsbr.org to register to visit the exhibit make sure that you go to our website artsbr.org to register to see the exhibit and i'm pretty sure that matthew desmond book evicted is anywhere you can buy books i'm sure it's on there because it it was it is an amazing read uh again aliza thank you so much
1: thanks for having me on take care
0: awesome awesome well everybody this has been chancellor zero skidmore for ac 23 and uh Yeah, I'll see y'all at a show. Peace.